You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, good morning, folks. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I hope that uh, you are encouraged this morning and that uh, everything has been going good for you this week. While I know that uh, is a very subjective reality, nevertheless, um, I I pray that you will uh, enjoy our time together today, and it's always a special time as we get to gather and look into the Word of God. And so I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your faithfulness to getting in the Word, your your support, uh, your time, your talent, your treasure is what you've offered here, and uh, we're always grateful for you, and I hope that you will enjoy uh, this time. If you're joining us for the first time, we want to especially give you a big welcome. Um, just so you know, at the end of our time together, we will unmute the chat and allow uh, some of you guys to chime in to maybe give us your uh your input and how you were encouraged, you're challenged. And, and so uh, nevertheless, um, I pray that today will be a, a good time. We've been working on Tuesdays uh, through doctrine. And, and over the last few weeks, uh, we've been working over the doctrine of salvation, I mean, doctrine of uh, Satan, the theology of Satan. And we began uh, this whole series uh, with the reality of Satan. Um, we came to realize that uh, that Satan, the devil, is not just a personification of evil, but actually a real person. And we note that he had personality. Uh, he has personalities of uh, traits of his personality, such as intellect, emotion, desire. And will, and we looked also at the creation of sin and of Satan, and that's a an important uh, subject as we deal with sin. Because how did sin come into the world, and and uh, how does that relate to a, a God who cannot sin, who cannot be around sin, and and but nevertheless, we looked at His creation, and we looked at the limitations because of His uh, created being that we could see He is limited. He has a moral responsibility. Um, but nevertheless, uh, we looked at uh, next the activities of Satan in relation to Christ. How did Christ deal with Satan? Uh, how did he fight back against the enemy? How did he relate to God, to the nations, uh, to unbelievers, and even to the believers as the tempter? <laughs> And today, we're going to talk about Satan's world. Again, we have been studying through uh, this book called Basic Theology by Charles Ryrie. And uh, I will always encourage you to get that uh, book because I think it will be helpful for you as, you as you walk through this. Because literally, I'm just walking through the book. And so... I pray you'll consider purchasing it. That way you can walk along or, or maybe even read it on your own um, as, as we look at different uh, theologies over the next several Tuesdays 
as we continue to grow. But nevertheless, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will open uh, up our study together. Uh, I see Fletcher is back with us. We want to welcome you back, brother, and glad you're here. Why don't you open us in prayer, Fletch, and then we'll jump right into the Word. All right. Good morning, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, glad to be back. Uh, it's great to hear your voice. Father God, we bring this uh, day to you and this morning to you. The birds are out, the sun is out, and we thank you for another day to worship you, to get to know you and your son. Uh, we thank you for Pastor and his commitment. Uh, we look forward to what you have to speak to us. We pray that our hearts are open and our ears are open, that we can hear exactly what you need to speak to us. We thank you for this day, and we give it all back to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, here we're going to talk about Satan's world. And why do we say that Satan's world? Didn't God create this universe? Didn't God, wasn't he the creator of all things? Is it, hasn't God given him authority over all creation? So why do we call this Satan's world? It seems unreasonable to give that much power, that much control uh, to Satan. But nevertheless, we we call it Satan's world because, well, that's what we see God has given that title. Um, <clears throat> in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 4, we are reminded this very truth. Paul's apostolic ministry, he reminds in verse 4, in whose case the God, lowercase g, that's always important. He's not talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's talking about the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So here we begin with Satan being called the God of this age. Um, the God of this world. Um, we see in John as well, John chapter 12, uh, verse uh, 31, the same kind of terminology. When he says, Jesus answered and said, the voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Now judgment is upon the world. Now the ruler, right? There you go. Of this world will be cast out. So scripture clearly defines and points to the reality that this, my friends, Satan's world. And I think one of the problems we have in our day, and, I, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so, is that we have people who want on this earth only what can be accomplished in heaven. And they are fighting and they are tussling with a world that is not their own. This is not our home as Christians. Uh, 
This is not our world. He has gone before to prepare a place for us. And if he goes and prepares a place, he will come again and receive us to ourselves. That where he is there, we may be also. This is John 14. So nevertheless, it's a great reminder for us to consider the reality. Listen, this is the devil's world. And if God has given him the title that he is the ruler of this world, then why for one second do we think that evil will not reign? You see, we, we need to stop trying to make what is only possible in heaven to bring it to earth. This is the devil's world. This is Satan's world. He is the prince of this world. He is the god of this age. And, in, and it's in this relationship of Satan and the Christian to the cosmos, which is the world, which is what we want to talk about. So let us begin by understanding what is meant by the cosmos. Now, when we talk about cosmos, that's the Greek word for world. We translate it world. So the, the, the world, instead of remaining true, expressions of God's will under the conditions of his creation becomes his rival. This, this world, God has loaned out to Satan the title, and one day he will call that loan and put Satan in the right place. And so while we live on this earth, there will be struggles. There will be difficulties. I don't know, maybe you read my uh, psalm, little psalm devotional this morning because I think it's relevant for what we're facing in a day when everything seems to be opposed to that which is good. God has reminded us that uh, good is not evil and evil is not good, but we certainly live in a time in which now people are calling that which is evil good and good evil. And we are reminded in Scripture, woe to those who do that. But again, if we're living in Satan's world, then nevertheless, we will face the difficulties in these days because we are not, we are, we are but sojourners, what Peter says, in a foreign land. Why? Because this is not our world. Psalm 82, the psalm of Asaph, he says, God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers. But listen to what the question is in verse 2. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? What is he doing? He's questioning this. Why does the enemy seemingly always win? And I think we can all relate to that. I think we can look out in our life today and see the victory is in the enemy's hands right now. So it seems. And he pleads in verse 3, Vindicate the weak and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. 
I mean, isn't that what we want? We want justice to be done. The problem is this. We want justice for everybody else, but not upon ourselves. Because if God poured out His pure, flaming wrath and justice upon humanity, many of us would get what we don't want. Listen, this isn't our world. The enemy will reign here. You can fight, you can beat your head, but you will fight no more than a, than a, than a mite beating his head against a piece of granted. This is not our world, and we need to stop living like this is our world. Listen, this is Satan's world, and he has authority over this cosmos, over this world. Clearly, the scriptures teach that Satan does have supreme authority over the world. Of course, this is within, right, the sovereign purpose of Almighty God and and handed out to him with the permission of Almighty God. Nevertheless, Satan has authority over the cosmos. And listen, is supreme. So when you see somebody come to Christ, listen, it is a miracle. It is a miracle. When when someone puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in a world that is not their own, it is an act of Almighty God doing something that has no business taking place apart from the work of God because this world is under the authority of Satan, and he has blinded the eyes so that people cannot see the goodness of the gospel. That's what we looked at in 2 Corinthians 4.4. Listen, our Lord recognized this when he called him the ruler of the world in John 12.31. How about John 16.11? Look there. Turn in your Bibles. John 16, 11. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, you will no longer see me. And, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I mean, the Lord calls him the ruler of this world. And when... He did not dispute Satan's prerogative in offering him the kingdom of the world and the temptations that we looked at back in Matthew 4 and 8 not ought to bring us to the realization that that God Almighty has given him the power. Because he could have, couldn't he? Who are you to offer me? The kingdom of these, this world. This is my world. I've been. I, I, all things have been created by me and through me and for me. I mean, don't you recall that in Colossians, when when we see that reminder of 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 the power of Almighty Christ. For by Him, Colossians one sixteen. All things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, 
whether rulers of authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So here we have the fact Jesus doesn't dispute against Satan when tempted, offering him the kingdoms of the world. That ought to tell us something. This is his world, my friends. The Apostle John acknowledged the same truth when he wrote that the whole cosmos lies in the power of the evil one. That's 1 John 5.19. So his aim is, is, is in the cosmos. Satan's aim is to create a system that rivals against God's kingdom. But that leaves him out. Listen, it is to promote a counterfeit order. Listen, what we see in taking place, I, I, I met with a gentleman yesterday evening and we spent several hours together and we talked about this world and it's Satan's world and and, and the desire that, that he has to see this nation turn around and turn back to God and that we would establish the freedom that we've been given. But I don't see that in Scripture. I see a moral decline that continually grows worse and worse. And then all of a sudden, God in his second turn comes back and raptures the body of Christ. So I want you to know this. This is not our world. Stop trying to make it heaven on earth. He will reign on this earth. Evil shall prevail on this earth because this is Satan's world. And he is trying to create a counterfeit order independent of God. I mean, it may indeed contain good aspects, but it also will contain evil aspects. But it, its inherent evil lies in its being independent of God and a rival against Him. To, to sharp rivalry surfaces in, in verses like James uh, 1.27, where it says, Pure and undefiled religion inside of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Right? I mean, we're, we're, we as believers are called to keep ourselves unstained from the world. And in chapter 4 of James, verse 4, he says, You adulterers, do, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? I think what's happening is Christians have lost their mind and what they're trying to do is establish on this earth there only can happen in heaven and therefore they are so focused on this nation that is only 200 years old. Oh, God can never turn America back over to itself. Baloney, look at, look at Israel. Look at the Jews. Look at the Babylonians they attack. Look at the Assyrians they attack. Look at the Persians they attack. 
his own people. This is not our world. And we can fight till we're blue in the face and trying to change this thing when what we should be doing is pointing people to eternal life, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people, and pulling out that world which is burning and crashing and people are dying and going to hell while we're trying to win over a world that is not ours but Satan's. We need to preach the gospel, my friends. Now, I'm not saying we stand up for our rights. Don't misunderstand me. But we better have the proper perspective. This is not our world. Friendship with the world is said to be hostility towards God. Why? Because this is not our world. You are but a stranger and an alien passing through. In 1 John 2.16, I'll flip there. Let me just flip there. 1 John 2.16 reminds us for that, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, listen, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world, listen, is passing away. And also it's lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Listen, the enemy's aim in this cosmos is to twist the very counterfeit to manipulate a world that is independent of God. We need to focus on the reality that all that is in the world is not from God. To achieve his aim, Satan must try to make the values of his godless system <laughs> seem attractive. <clears throat> Thus he works to make people give top priority to self as number one, to the here and to the now as the most important. He, 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 he tempts them to buy in to the idea that they can have a, a, a sinless reality in which we live in a place there's no sin there's no pain there's no suffering when that is only what can come when we step into eternity with the lord jesus christ in a place called heaven not earth listen he, he he's trying to manipulate and to achieve this purpose by convincing people that they should focus on everything in this world but Christ. When John wrote, all that is in the world is not of the Father, he explained what he meant by all, by three statements that follow 1 John 2.16. All of them emphasize self as number one. They, they satisfy the lust of the flesh. Satan's counsels. Try to get the desires of the eyes that make you covet. 
and to build a self-sufficient, arrogant attitude that arises from boasting about the possessions one has in his life and even or the boastful arrogance of a nation. We are the best. This selfishness is, of course, the prevailing philosophy of the world. And it comes from Satan, who promotes himself from the very beginning. Listen, Satan also seeks to focus people's attention on the present rather than eternity. God's if you can't say amen, you have to say ouch. That's what's happening today. We are so focused on the present that we don't even consider the eternal. We're so concerned about our... Uh, let me. I'm trying to get a word that rhymes. We're so worried about our present success that we have failed to be concerned about the present salvation in people's lives. We're so focused on this world, this system that we live in, that we fail to realize that people are dying moment by moment and stepping into eternity in a place called hell. We are spending our money on things that are temporal. When that which God has entrusted to you financially could be used to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We support our time, our talents, and our treasures for people who are fighting for the temporal rather than investing our times, our talents, and our truth in the people who are fighting for that which is eternal. You will give an account to Almighty God how you utilize the gifts that He's blessed you with. And you can fall right into Satan's trap and focus your attention on the presence of today other than eternity. And that is why John reminds us in 1 John 2.17 that the world passes away, but the one that does the will of God abides forever. Where are you today? Where has Satan allowed you to serve? Are you serving for the temporal things of this world? Are you seeking out the Temporal prosperities of today? Listen, the Bible says, What shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and yet forfeit his very soul? Now the one who does the will of God abides forever. Thus Satan seeks to achieve his purposes by trying to change our priorities. Self first. Does that sound like 2021? Does that sound like the last of the last days, which say 
In the last of the last days, men will be lovers of self, disobedient to parents, revilers. Listen, if Satan can dupe you, changing your priorities to self and having a false perspective about the the here and the now and how that's so much more important. Can I ask you a serious question? Because I know that we live in a world that is so wrapped up in this country right now that we have absolutely forgotten about lost souls. We, we, we want freedom, which is really not freedom, by the way. He who has the Son is free indeed. That's true freedom. But nevertheless, have we been so focused on this world that we have forgotten eternity? Because listen, if Jesus comes back tomorrow, what you've done over the last six months, would it ever really have mattered? That's the question. What you've done over the last six months of your life, if Jesus were to return today, would it ever have mattered eternally? And if you can honestly say no, then you better start today changing your priorities and changing your perspectives and start thinking about things eternal rather than the temporal. Because I'm, I just want to remind you, this is Satan's world. There is a reality that in the face of Satan in the cosmos, you also have God in the cosmos, though. There's a planned termination. God has already announced that the cosmos, the world, will be judged and will be terminated. Satan's rebellious system, my friends, will indeed come to an end. Nebuchadnezzar saw it in a dream. Daniel interpreted it when the stone struck the statue and filled the whole earth. That event is described in Revelation 17 and 19 and summarized in 1 John 2.17. When our Lord returns, He's coming back. He's going to rapture the church. You're going to live through the tribulation period if you're not a believer. And then after the tribulation period, the second coming of Christ, which is really the third coming of Christ, He will come back and He will judge on a white horse with all the authority. When he comes back, the cosmos, the kingdom of Satan, will be replaced by the kingdom of Christ, who will rule this earth. And it's important to observe that the arena of Christ's victory will be the same of that of Satan's kingdom, the earth. So listen, your objective in light of eternity, 
is to win souls to Christ. It, it may get pretty ugly, folks. It may get like a third world country in which we find persecution against Christians, which you're already seeing. But nevertheless, Christ will come back and he will have victory. We've been teaching through Second Peter. He will not relent. He will pay back those fake, false, phony Christians. They will be taken care of. He will repay. He will have his vengeance. Because the place that is reserved they have a reservation. And it will be a reservation that cannot be canceled. So in the meantime, God permits the rebellion to continue and the cosmos to flourish, the world. His plan permits evil to run its course. And that, 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 thus, thus you can understand in the Psalm 82, when it, when it asks the question, how long will you judge unjustly? How long will you allow the enemy to seem to have victory? Oh, how long, O oh Lord? He has given permission. His plan permits evil to run its course. And His long-suffering permits many as well to come to the truth. So where are you, you going to invest the next six months of your life? Where are you going to invest the next year of your life? Where are you going to invest your time, your talent, and your treasure? You know, not everybody's wealthy, and not everybody has a bank full of money that they can invest for kingdom work. But some of you have time. Some of you have different gifts, gift of service, gift of faith. Gift of hospitality. How are you using your gifts to serve the body of Christ? You will give an account. We need to share the truth. And when I mean truth, I mean truth of God's word. Because we have a misconception of what truth is in our culture. Truth is not some idea that there is absolutely no reality behind it. Truth is the word of God, which is standing in the reality of an all-sovereign God that has communicated through the power of the Spirit unthrough men to written words in which we know throughout history has stood the test of time. And that's why Jesus says, Sanctify them in thy truth. What? Thy word is truth. We want to see this nation turn around. We better start preaching the Bible because that's the truth. We need to call people to repentance, to believe the gospel. Will they reject? Of course they re reject. The road is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who find it. The way is to truth is narrow, and few are those who enter by it. But nevertheless, we're called to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the key. God has given him permission, Satan. So not only do we see Satan in the cosmos, God in the cosmos, we see the Christian 
and the cosmos. The Christian is to be what? Separated from it. Pure religion, James wrote, is to keep oneself unstained from the world. The same word unstained is unspotted. It's, it's, it's the idea used in 1 Peter 1.19. Flip over there, 1 Peter 1.19, because it's a great reminder. First Peter 1.19 says this. But with precious blood as, as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Listen, he wants to present you as blameless and as spotless, pure and undefiled. Thus the believer's separation from the world means Christ's likeness in the world. You know, we have churches who want to look like the world. Oh, we need to win some to Christ, so we need to act like the world. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. That That is that is a, a method of man. That is like, let's j- dress Jesus up like a prostitute, put him on the side of the street, and try to sell him. No, no, no. You are called to be set apart <laughs> from the world. You, you are called to be unstained by the world. You, you, are, you are called to be different than the world. What sense does it make if we try to look like the world so that we can bring the world in and teach them that Jesus loves them? No, no. teach them that Jesus loves them, but be set apart. The believer's separation from the world is Christ's likeness. The way you love one another. You know, I... I, I uh, I try to keep up with what's going on in individuals' lives here on this channel. And and I watch a lot, I listen a lot. And yeah, I, I'm a Christian, I'm I'm a godly person, and then I watch you on other channels blaspheme, slander one another. It's disturbing. Anybody can talk the talk. It's the man and woman who walks the walk. Listen, not everybody you will ever agree with in this life. But know this. Gossip and slander is a tool of the devil. And you can do it, and you can be a part of the devil's world. Because I'm telling you right now, there are people among us who will claim Christ here, and yet their actions show they have nothing inside of them that is of God. Because they will go out of this room and they will blaspheme. They will blaspheme God by their slandering one another whom whom they have no understanding of. We got to be careful. Because I'm here to tell you, God ain't stupid. God knows all things. He sees all things. He hears all things. He knows your heart. We're called to be separated from this world. Stop acting like the world because you want to build an army for yourself. That's that's what we just talked about. The priority of Satan is to make you feel good about yourself and to set you up as number one in priority. Let God handle his business. Pray for people. That's our problem. 
we don't like what somebody does or somebody says, or we feel like somebody's misusing something. We, we, we like to slander them. We want everybody in the world to know how evil they are when what we should be doing as Christians is praying for them. Because I don't know about you, but when I came to Christ, I had a whole lot of mess in my life. I had a whole lot of bad theology. We're called to be set apart in our Christ-likeness. Are you being set apart in your Christ-likeness? Only you can answer that. But you know if you're gossiping, if you're spreading slander. We're called to be separated from it. But also called situated in it. Believer, though separated from the world, has to live his life in this world. And thus we have the contact with evil things and evil people. But how we deal with that shows our true character. You see, if you're so concerned with uncovering the bones of somebody else that you fail to look at the plank in your own eye, how dare you? Maybe encourage people. Pray for people. Listen, the only way to avoid such contact would be to go out of the world. You will always be in this world with unbelievers. You will always be in this world with false teachers. You will always be in this world with those that profess Christ. They know the plan of salvation, but it is apparent they know not the man of salvation. But to go out of this world in such such separation is suicidal. Paul did not recommend it. How then can we properly be related to the world in which we are situated and live as godly people, Christ-like, set apart in a world where it has two guidelines? You have one that says, oh, you can live in sexual immorality and it's okay. Matter of fact, we're teaching kids that they can select their gender. It's perverted. With the world we live in, sick, it's perverted. So here are the two guidelines. The guideline one is use it, but do not abuse it. Th- th- this, this idea, this summary statement, is in a context where Paul mentioned marriage and singleness, weeping and rejoicing, having and not having. It is proper to use all of these, but not to abuse or overabuse them. Don't let marriage have top priority. Listen, there is no greater person in my life than my wife, apart from Jesus. Christ has my top priority. I I don't seek fans. I don't seek fame. I don't seek finances. You know, all the time I spend here, the the the, the financial support that comes into the ministry of family, I don't get a dime of that. It come to me. It's to the church. And the church uses it for missions. It uses it to help somebody in the community that 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 needs support. It goes to the staff. It it goes to putting on VBSs in the public school system in which we'll see many kids come to Christ. It, it, it's put out towards so we can send kids to Camp Grace and we can watch 120 out of 150 pray to receive Christ. 
We, we need to make sure that we don't let the things of this world take top priority, but that Christ becomes our number one priority. Don't weep too long. Don't be so happy that you can't be serious. Don't put trust in things you may properly buy. <laughs> to do so is to abuse the world for which you live. To have it, to, to have it take over your life is wrong. To, to walk around with a take it or leave it attitude while using these things is, is a proper attitude. I you know what? Um I I'm grateful for finances. We need them to survive and to live, and but God will provide and Paul says, I've learned to do with and I've learned to do without. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. When, when things get tight and you have $50 in your account, and you don't know if what's coming through. And you just have to go, you know what? I have to trust God here. So, so we, we, need to, we need to use it, the things in this world, but we don't need to abuse the things in this world. We need to put them in proper priority. The second guideline is this. Enjoy the things of this world, but do not love the things of this world. You see, I think what we've done is we've fallen in love with the things of this world. Though, though, though these things may be seem opposing principles, they can't be since they are both clearly stated. What God gives us in this world, we can legitimately enjoy as long as we realize that all things are uncertain and that are dependent on God, whether He gives much or gives little. So when does proper enjoyment become improper loving? Well, that could be really difficult to compartmentalize. Listen, every believer listening today will have to examine his or her own particular circumstances. Undoubtedly, if we make an idol of something, we are loving it improperly. So how do you know if something's an idol? Well, what if God told you to get rid of it? You know, would you get rid of it or would you hold fast to it? Would you be attached to it or would you give it generously? If your job, God told you to give it up to go into ministry, what would you do? <clears throat> would you give it up? I mean, I remember when I was making... Six digits. God called me into the ministry. I went from six digits to zero overnight. Now, I'm not patting myself on the back, but what I'm telling you is I love those six digits. I enjoyed those six digits. I didn't love those six digits. I loved the fact that I could be and accomplish all that God had planned for my life. 
So we have to make sure that we don't make an idol out of something in our lives. And only you can determine an idol in your life. It is an idol is anything at any time that comes between a believer and his love for God, or her love for God. So the reality is <clears throat> we need to make sure that we are separated from the world, that we are situated in the world properly, and that we are sufficient for it. The believer can live victoriously in Satan's world through faith in Christ, who, who, who he himself has become the victor over Satan, 1 John 5, 4 and 5. No contingencies are attached to the promises in these verses. Every believer, whether new or mature, has victory simply because of his position as a child of God. Now, the biggest question you'll have to ask today as we wrap this up is, are you a child of God or are you a child of Satan? How do you know that? How do you know if you're truly a child of God or a child of Satan? Well, Psalm 51.5 reminds us that we are all born into sin, thus children of Satan. You can be a Calvinist and believe that you are chosen, but until you receive Christ, you are a child of the devil. Behold, I was brought forth, Psalm 51, forth in iniquity or sin. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Listen, the Bible is very clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one person in this room that doesn't meet the qualifications of sin. The Bible says all have sinned, that there is none righteous, no, not one. And the word sin simply means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. You've missed the bullseye. Listen, in order to get to heaven, you must be as perfect as God. How is that even possible, Pastor? You just told me I have to be perfect. Well, let me tell you this. The only way you can be perfect is to be viewed by God as righteous. And the only way you can be viewed by God as righteous, perfect, set apart, is to be found in Christ. You see, your sin has made a separation between you and God. Isaiah 59.2 reminds us of that. And we are incapable of reestablishing that broken relationship with God. Nevertheless, God in His great mercy and grace, not that you loved Him, but that He loved you and sent His Son into the world that you, my friend, might have life. But let me remind you that no works, no deeds, no efforts of your own can ever save you. We are always reminded by that in Titus 3. 4 and 5, when it says, But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which you've done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration. 
renewing of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you must be saved. You must be born again. Because when you are deemed sinful, stained, separated, enmity with God, which we all come into this world, God must make us right. And the only way He can make us right through His Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, shed His blood, because the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. You must be washed in the blood of the Lamb, because He who knew no sin, my friend, came sin on your behalf, that you might become the righteousness of God in Him. But you must personally receive Christ. I can't do it for you. Your mother, your father can't do it for you. Your pastor can't do it for you. You must personally receive Christ. You must ask God to forgive you through repenting of your sins, admitting you are a sinner. He already knows what you've done. He knew what you did last night. He knew what you said to your wife or your husband. He knew how you treated your children. He knew everything about what you've done over the last year of your life. You know well and good you've sinned. So admit it to Him. Ask Him for forgiveness. And trust that God, in His ability, sent Jesus Christ as the land bridge for which you can now access God because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Put your faith in Christ. Receive Him today. It's not enough to have some kind of intellectual understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. You must believe in Christ. Put your faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that the work of Almighty God was enough to save you if you would simply believe the gospel. Put your faith in the work of Jesus that you might have life and have life eternal. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.